0: MP, it's our final event of the year. Oh, it's all a bit sad, Bretto, but after four big events for 2018, we are going out with a bang with one more wellness base camp, and the location for this one is regional Victoria, the great town of Bendigo awaits. Oh, and how's this for a lineup, MP? Bendigo will be rocking with the rock star of wellness, Damien Christoph. The art of self-love angel herself, Kim Morrison, hits the stage. As will the natural nutritionist, Steph Lowe. And I'll tell you what, Steph's presentation at the Summit on Fasting was a showstopper. You'll be there, Bretto, I'll be there too. And Wendy Stewart from Wendy's Way will be there to share her inspirational story, which really did go off at the Wellness Summit earlier this year. It's Saturday, October 27th at the beautiful All Seasons Resort Hotel in Bendigo, and tickets are selling fast. Two for one tickets for this one day of inspiration, information and empowerment are available at thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's right folks, get your two for one tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com before they run out and then the price goes up. Finish your year of wellness in style at the Wellness Base Camp in Bendigo, Saturday October 27. Tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com.
1: Welcome to Home Based Hope, all about autism, the show that invites you to think differently, inspires you to take a whole child approach, and most of all, instills hope when it comes to your child and autism. I'm your host, Rhiannon Crisp, from homebasedhope.com.au. Let's get into it. Hey, hey guys, welcome to another exciting episode of Home Based Hope. Today is going to be jam-packed of useful tips and strategies, all revolving around diet and nutrition. Real food is something that I am super passionate about, and particularly when it comes to our kids. But feeding our kids healthy food can be a really stressful time, particularly if they're a little fussy eater. And one of the most dreaded parent tasks is packing a healthy lunchbox that you know your child will actually eat. So today we are going to be delving right into nutrition for kids and getting some really practical advice. Today we are talking to Beck Walk. Beck is a mum of two kids, aged five and three. After 11 years with the Victoria Police, Beck decided to follow her passion of nutrition and is now a functional nutrition consultant. She is a lover of All things gut health and runs her own nutrition and health coaching business, Omaha Nutrition. Beck has a love for educating the next generation on what real foods are and how they can affect their health. As a result, in 2017, Beck founded the Omaha Kids In-School Nutrition Program. The Omaha Kids In-Schools Program aims to educate children on how real whole food can enable a healthy and vibrant life. Beck has seen the generational change in the attitude and knowledge towards foods we consume, and as such, there needs to be a generational change in the way we teach and involve our children about the foods available, 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 available to our kids by improving one lunchbox at a time. So welcome back. I am super excited to have you on the show today. Thank
2: you, Rhiannon. And thank you for having me. Um, as you know, it's been a long time coming for you and I to have this conversation today. So thank you for your patience. It's been a, um, a whirlwind of a, of a year for me so far, but it's great yes. to finally speak with you.
1: Yes, you are a super busy woman. And that's where I would love to dive into all the things that you've been doing and also a bit about your journey. And um, yeah, if we could rewind the clock a little bit to start with how you got onto this journey of health and wellness, and how you came to do all the amazing work with kids that you're doing today?:
2: Yeah, I guess. Um, I think like any journey, it does start quite early on, whether we're aware of it or not. and um, my passion for nutrition is something that definitely started at a younger age. a um, I thing I, I come from a very allopathic family, but from very early on, I felt that um, my interests and um, the way I um, thought about things was quite different in that regard um, when I finished secondary school my I wanted to study nutrition that didn 't evolve and as you said, I ended up with Victoria police and I was with them for eleven years um, i then um, after having my my son and he 's five now, but after having my son, I guess my perspective and my attitude as a whole sort of changed towards victoria police and um in my 20s, I felt quite invincible and, um, you know, obviously it was, it was a great learning curve for me being a part of Victoria Police, but when you become a parent, so much changes and I think the reality of the work and the job and what could potentially happen at work, um, I guess I had a reason or, or, you know, a really good reason to be going home and so it made me really stop and think about what is it that I want to do And what I realized I wanted to do was to educate children and um, I wanted to educate them on nutrition. So I, whilst on maternity leave from having my son, I studied primary teaching. So to this day, I still haven't finished it, but I have done two of the four years of study um, for primary education. And then I started to pursue just doing certificates and functional nutrition studies um, with nutrition. So as a result of that, last year in 2017, I um, I guess it became like a really fun hobby, a leisurely hobby of educating kids in schools, but it very quickly became um, more than that. And I realised that this is what I wanted to do as a business. So I um, started to educate kids in schools. I had some very supportive schools Um, where I was living at the time in Ballarat and um, it really just, it evolved from there and I became um, a lot more structured in the delivery, a a lot more structured in the um, ensuring that what I was um, educating the kids on linked in with curriculum standards and ensure that their learning was on track for where they were at that level of learning, both for what I wanted to um, teach and educate and um, educate about real foods as well as their, um, learning guidelines and learning curriculum. So it's kind of evolved from there.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So part of what you do is educating kids. So you go into the school, educate kids on real foods. And is it like a session? Can you describe to us what, what it is that you do in a
2: session? So what I'm really passionate about is educating about real foods, but what I find, um, is, is really, really important, particularly for our kids these days, is to have a practical experience with the food. So every lesson that I go into do does have a practical element, but then what I also try and do is ensure that there's a theory-based um, activity that consolidates the knowledge that they've learned whilst working. So it really complements one another. So there's a practical element and there's a theory-based element that brings it all together for them to leave. And it's a, usually a one-hour class. Um, to leave with a really sound knowledge, where they've been part of a fun, interactive learning environment, um, and whether they they leave that day and they um, are inspired to make changes, or, or or to make that product the food again at home, or to talk about it again. Um, my hope is obviously that in, in time it becomes the, becomes their norm, and at some stage throughout either their primary school journey or into their teens that that knowledge that they learn um they can know and trust to fall back on to create greater health for themselves
1: Mm. i love it and what i love about it is that you're actually creating change at the level of the kids it's not not just the parents it is at the level of the kids um are you able to talk about why you think this is so important and why you're not sort of working with the parents
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's part of Omaha Kids and Omaha Nutrition that does work with the parents. I try and um, ensure that the school community and um, are all involved in, I guess, having some kind of Omaha education. So I do do presentations for the parents about lunch boxes, but obviously my desire is to work with kids, and I the reason for that is. Um, the kids are heading down a really scary road to be honest in terms of where their their health potential could be as to what the reality is for a lot of our kids these days and it is because of the food products. Working with the kids, I find a lot of them don't go outside of um, like a fruit strip, their fruit coming in a packet, you know, things like that. They don't realise that perhaps apricots or passion fruits are, are real fruits that grow on trees and... Um, I think that foundation of knowledge really builds um, that potential for greater health. And I say it all the time that knowledge is power. And unless we instill this knowledge in our kids, there's going to be a complete disconnect between themselves, their food, how food can benefit their bodies, how food can benefit their minds. And um, without that, They're not only heading down a road where the foods available to them are um, full of things that can cause absolute havoc on their systems in a number of ways, but they're going blindly down down this road without any knowledge to make educated choices. So for me... I have a passion to educate children, whatever the topic. Like they definitely bring out the best in me, and I love seeing their innocence and they're open. They're so open-minded and they're excited and they're inspired. And I really want to fuel that. Um, so for me, I think it's important to get to, I guess, just to educate them at that age before. Um, the norm is what that scary path is, packaged foods, processed foods, not knowing what what to choose and being part of a world where they're just completely lost and don't know any better. So my hope is that if they're exposed to Omaha kids in their school, through a holiday program, whatever it might be um, that I offer, that at some stage when they are feeling lost or at that, that their point, they've got a safe place that they can fall back onto or knowledge that they know they can trust. It's, and it's about real food and getting back to, back to the basics as to, well, where does this food come from? How does it affect my body? And with every lesson that I do, that's pretty much the crust of it is like, where does this food come from? How does it affect my body? You know? And I think that's a really strong foundation for our kids to start, to start. There's a long way to go, but I think if kids can be thinking about those two things at a very young age, it puts them in good stead to, improving um, their health potential and being able to live a vibrant life that all our kids are very deserving of. And it's um, heartbreaking for me to think that we're taking that away from them, um, I guess, by living in the in the consumer world that we do live in in terms of the foods that, that are available to us and that we continue to let be available to us by using them, purchasing them um, and, I guess, not educating ourselves. So. Mm. Yeah, that's rather a long-winded answer to it. But it's just, yeah, that, that, I guess that passion for me just comes from knowing that our kids deserve better than what the future looks for them and, and that's why it is the kids for me. Like, they're our future and if things are going to change, like I'm mid-30s now and if we continue teaching kids what I learned in school, we're only going to add to the, health, the poor health epidemic that we're in now. Um, because what we know now is that what we were learning 20 or 30 years ago gets us to this health status that we're at. Um, and you only need to look around your local shopping centre to realise that we're, we're not a healthy society and there's so much that can be done to improve that. And I think education's the first point.
1: Mm, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, and you said that kids are heading down this scary track in the future you know, isn't going to be looking so bright if we continue to consume all these processed packaged foods. Yeah. What what is, what will the future look like for our kids?
2: Um, well, we're seeing it now that diseases that never used to hit until our, you know, 50s, 60s, late adulthood, even you know, even later than that, things like um, heart diseases, diabetes, um, we're seeing a whole lot more behavioural um issues coming up with our children as well. Um, those things are creeping in earlier and earlier. And so their future, doesn't. it's not for them, their lifespan isn't like, oh, perhaps when I'm 60 or 70, that may, after years and years and years of exposure to small amounts of these additives, um, toxic, whatever it might be, our toxic environment, never used to have an impact until those later years. But now because we're exposed to it every single day, Through our environment, majority through our foods, um, we're seeing kids as young, less than ten years old, suffering these kind of conditions and illnesses that they then have to learn to to nurse or put up with as such. And it just takes away from their quality of life. So, um, yeah, their future with these packaged foods, processed foods, um, definitely taking away from their quality of life and taking away from what their life potential could be and yeah it's terribly sad
1: yeah it's scary isn't it and it yeah. does i mean at the end of the day um you know it is about educating the kids because once they become passionate about something and they can run home and say mom I want to try you know this kind of fruit or this kind of vegetable you know um that's really empowering because you know it puts it back in their hands
2: well, that's right. I mean, and we can put so much onus on parents. as oh, Well, parents should be teaching this. But the reality is, again, like growing up with my generation, parents don't, I trust that parents are doing the best that they know, but you only know what you know. And um, until you know better, you can't do better. So I do cut parents a little bit of slack because what we were taught and what we're educated and what we're constantly bombarded with through marketing and food labels and the mixed messaging that we receive, it's so confusing. So very well there could be parents out there believing they're choosing the best and the healthiest product for their child but that may not necessarily be the case. So you're absolutely right to have these kids going home, feeling inspired and talking about real foods. I mean, I know for me, I find it hard when my kids are excited about food to tell them no, um, simply because if it's real food and they're enthusiastic about it, that's definitely something that I want to nurture in them because it's such an important life skill. And dating back, years, years, generations and centuries that uh, our um, skill and relationship with, with food um, was always a healthy one and we saw that as a fuel source for our bodies. But, again, that mindset has also changed. So you're right, to have the kids head home excited about something, hopefully it would trigger in their parents as well to think a little bit more about it. Mm. I, um, I recently did, only just a couple of months ago, I did a session at a kindergarten here on the Sunshine Coast and um the uh, two days later i had one of the mums come up to me and she was like thank you so much for coming in and doing that session and her son had been a very very fussy eater she struggled to get him to eat any vegetables at all um other than i think it was white potato his um lunch boxes were not colorful at all um and after being at one of my sessions, he then went home and he asked for broccoli and corn. And she—he <laughs> was like almost in tears, but so elated that everything she tried. And she's banging her head against the wall and trying to make these kids eat this, like eat their food and um, or eat their vegetables. And it's no, no, no. And I think kids in a in a home place. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely have my hurdles with my kids too. Um, that you're constantly trying the same thing. But I think that's what with Omaha kids, you make it fun and interactive and and inspired learning that they then go home and then it's their choice. So you're empowering them with choice as well, which sometimes I think as parents we take away from our kids. So it's also important to listen to them, I think listen to our children, but also nurture when they're feeling inspired. So, yeah, this mum was absolutely elated that he wanted to have broccoli and corn for dinner and then also asked for mandarin in his lunchbox. So simple things like that to me make make this all worthwhile and if those those small changes lead to a much more vibrant future for that child then I'm more than satisfied with um with what I do and that really it just makes my heart explode to to hear things like that and to know that you know particularly for the parents to know that there is there is an answer out there um there's no set answer I guess but to know that there are ways around it to inspire your child to be enthused by real foods.
1: Mm, I love that. That is awesome. I mean, broccoli yeah. <laughs> on the best of days for some kids, absolutely, you
2: know. Well, right? absolutely, yeah.
1: <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you did you did say that we're bombarded with this misinformation about food. Yeah. Can you delve a bit into that? What is what are we being told at the moment um, that we should? you know, look at a bit more carefully and what kinds of foods should we be encouraging our kids to eat? Um, Well,
2: always to that later, um, it's always encouraging our kids to eat real foods. I think um, it's important to ask ourselves when we're purchasing a product, is this a real food or how close to the real food is this product? Um, What we're bombarded with is very clever marketing We're bombarded with, um, companies and industries that, are five steps ahead of the pace to us consumers. Um, but what I've learned myself and what I know is that if you give yourself permission to think about your food choice or a food product choice in a supermarket, sometimes just for an extra two to five seconds and asking those questions, is this real food or how close to real food is this product, um, you will find that you can actually make a much more educated guess. We have companies that um, there's always buzzwords. So, I mean, gluten-free, real food, um, hundred. Oh, we talk about fat-free, um, low-carb, high-carb, high-protein, whatever it is, I think there's a, there's a niche for each of those um, and companies will do their very best to appeal to their market um, but they're using the buzzwords that we want to hear. Um, but I think as consumers what we need to be mindful of is that, one, these companies are very smart and, two, um, companies, can, they they can make a claim. It doesn't necessarily, like if it's just their own personal claim, they can put that on, on their product. So, again, it's just coming back to yourself and asking yourself, if it does say real food and there's a nice big star behind it saying real food, um have a look at your ingredients list on that product and then decide for yourself if it's real food, um, bring the power back to yourself. I think a lot of the time, and I've, I've done it plenty of times you sort of go in and you're in a haze or you're at the end of the day and you're like, I just want to grab something that's right. And you know, right within your own values. And you see these words that bang real food, um, you know, whatever the buzzwords that you're looking for and you'll grab it. But without looking at the ingredients list, we really can't make up our own minds as to whether that actually fits our values and beliefs on what food we want to be consuming and what food we want to be feeding our children. So it's just being mindful of the buzzwords, ensuring that we know these companies and industries are well ahead of us and they're wanting to sell their product. And sadly, I personally don't think that our health and our best version of ourselves is at the forefront of their mind when they're marketing these products. So part of what I do when I do speak with parents of school communities or with teachers um, or, you know, leaders within school groups is I guess just to make them aware of that as well. And it's just about empowering yourself with the knowledge, sometimes just the basics, to feel empowered to make those decisions yourself Um, and not let somebody else decide whether it is right for you. Like is this real food? Is this you know sugar free no added sugar whatever like what does that mean um it doesn't no added sugar doesn't mean there it isn't packed with sugar already and then again it's just up to us to feel empowered enough to turn that packet over and read the ingredients list because very quickly it will tell us whether there is a lot of sugar in that product um whether it is a real food or not and um, we can make conclusions and decisions for ourselves that way
1: mm. Are there any specific things we should be looking at on the ingredients list or steering away from?
2: Yeah. um, So with our ingredients list, uh, the ingredients are listed from the foods that are contained in that product the most down to the least. Uh, What I encourage people to look out for are numbers, um words that you can't pronounce (laughs) um and i guess the number of ingredients sometimes i'm finding is a really good indicator as to whether that is a real food because if they have to add in 25 different things you're pretty far away from that question as how close to a real food is this product um if there's fortified ingredients synthetic ingredients and we need to remember that these fortified and synthetic ingredient ingredients or vitamins that go into this product um a man made so they 're really actually not made for human consumption um, i I believe that everything that a human is meant to eat, and if we go back generations and centuries and look back, everything we 're meant to eat is already already exists on this planet for us so if we're we 've got people in white coats making flavors or um, emulsifiers, you know, to create a better texture in a product, Um, I feel like we've steered well and truly away what our innate purpose is and really lost the idea as to what food is for the human body. So um, when looking at your ingredients list, yes, I guess those things, we're looking for numbers um, because that gives us an indication that that is an additive or an emulsifier, which can be quite stressful on our systems. It can cause stress within our gut and it can cause cell inflammation and cell inflammation can lead to disease. And I guess for each person that manifests differently. Um, But when we hear it like that, it's no real wonder that our kids are suffering and, you know, teens and adults are seeing a huge increase in the number of autoimmune diseases um, that are becoming more and more prominent. Um, so looking at those ingredients, numbers, and there's plenty of apps and websites that you can look at. If you're unsure on what that number is, go and research it again, bring that power back to yourself, research that number. What is that product? How is that made? And more often than not, you'll be quite surprised that it is a chemical or it is something that's not necessarily, it might be tested on its own, but not tested as a whole in terms of what it's grouped with all the other ingredients. So we really don't know what effect that particular ingredient may have on the body. So again, just look for, look for your real, your real ingredients.
1: Mm, Awesome. Yeah. Um, I was just going to ask, are there any other shopping tips as well that you have? So obviously when we're down the street, okay. So the first thing parents can do is when they're pulling things off the shelf, we can look at the ingredients list. Are there any other shopping tips that you can give parents that can help them steer in that right direction?
2: Yeah. So, um, let's say I often shop at a farmer's market for my fruits and veg or local fruit shops that I know source their products from fruits and vegetables. So if you're fortunate enough to be in a place that offers those kind of, um, fruit and vegetable shops, I encourage that because one, it supports local farmers and, um, And two, you're getting a huge range of um, fruits and vegetables that are either organically or locally grown. Um, And I think that's important. Um, What are we looking at? Let's say, um, I guess the average person will go to a supermarket more often than not. So um, one thing, and this is from years ago, but I still kind of apply it to myself, is if you look around the outside, the border of the supermarket, they're kind of all the foods that you kind of want, you know, and you see the, like, the produce is always out on the, on the outsides. If you're a meat eater, there'll be um, meat and poultry around the outside fridges. This, I guess you want a large percentage of your um, grocery shop to come from those sections. If the majority of the trolley is filled with stuff from inside the aisles and these are the packaged, processed, preserved foods, Um, I think you you probably need to to think again or reassess or find some alternatives for some of those products. Um, So my go-to is being aware of clever marketing and question what you're being told, looking at the ingredients list and having a large percentage of your shop from the outside of your supermarket if you're a supermarket shopper.
1: Mm. yeah isn't it scary though you know we do buy into the marketing and we do believe it um you know that we actually have to question that so that's a really important tip and I love yes going around the outsides because as soon as you start taking your trolley down the middle aisles there's packets of chips there's biscuits Mm -hmm. there's soft drinks there's um, yeah. yeah, just it's just you're bombarded with so many different types of packaged foods, and yeah. two, if you're shopping with the kids, I mean that's a nightmare. It's, you
2: know? an, absolute, it's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> I don't know how many times you can say no in one shop for them to get the picture that they're not going to get anything. <laughs> no. You're right, it does. But and again, our, our these companies and industries are very smart and they they know what kids are like in the supermarket as well. So if you're, you're throwing yourself in the gauntlet by heading down there with your kids um, because, again, like I said, these marketing people are a good three to five steps ahead of us. So they're using colours. They're using words if our kids are able to read. You know, they're using pictures, illustrations that appeal to kids.
1: Mm. And Free toys. <laughs>
2: um free yeah free toys cutouts cardboard like yeah cardboard cutouts magazines whatever it might be and the the kids are very very quick to catch on to that and um because of the society we live in and it's um for a lot of us it's a it's a high high stress we are, a lot of us either have you know like two working parents um like yourself like a parent working away often single parents um it's, it's very easy to feel vulnerable in a supermarket and to cave. It's kind of like a choose-your-battle and sometimes you don't choose to fight that battle with your kids in a supermarket. One, because you're in a public place and we know how, <laughs> how dramatic kids can get, I guess. Um, and two, you don't want to just constantly be saying no because you're often thinking about what else you could be, um, you know, what, what else you need to be doing or what you're going to be doing when you get home. So sometimes it's easier just to surrender to being asked for those foods. So, again, the the market is a very, a very smart. So, absolutely, yeah, if you mm. add around the outside, this is a safe place. Mm.
1: (laughs) oh i can tell you yes it can be tricky for myself as well it's um not always fun and particularly for parents with kids on the spectrum who um you know crave you know a lot of kids just want certain foods or they'll just want the white bland foods or um you know they can be very specific it's so much so in terms of they just want a specific brand um so it can be super difficult Um, But I suppose it's it's also just about small steps. And like you said in the beginning, you can't change everything all at once. It's just small steps. Um, What I'd like to head now to is just some practical ideas. So giving parents some ideas of... um, how they can pack the lunchbox that will appeal to the kids and give them that um, you know nutrition that they need to survive the school day, so they're not dead by the time they come home. They're not just yeah. flat and tired and grumpy, and um, you know, real challenges with their ability to self-regulate and all their emotions. Yeah. Um, what can we? What can we put in the lunchbox? What are some yummy food ideas that? Um,
2: you what what I love to do, and, and obviously um, something that I then explore through my Omaha kids is just involving the kids. So I will often either the night before or the morning of heading to daycare or kindergarten, um, I'll ask the kids, I'll open up the conversation, like, what's something that you would really love in your lunchbox tomorrow? And Sometimes it might be, they might say chocolate or they might say they want something along those lines. And it'd be like, okay, so like if I put that in, what else could you have that would be a healthier choice? And just again, empowering our kids and giving them choice because often they're just, things are thrown in, they're in packets, they're thrown in. There's not a whole lot of love that goes into our food prep. So involve in involving the kids in food conversation about what, what they would like in their lunchbox and then also involving them in preparing the lunchbox. Um, that's what I do on, on a regular basis with my kids. Um, they get to cut up their own cucumber, their own carrots. Um, I have one of those um, bento box um, from Planet Box lunch boxes for both of my kids. So it's all sectioned off and they can choose what they put in each section. So um, I think that allows them to then go to kinder and be happy about what they've got in their lunchbox and more inclined to eat it. Um, The other thing is like, no, you know, when kids are at kinder, like you say for for school for full, full days, it's really hard to nourish them for the entire day because they are expelling so much energy physically and mentally. Um, So I often, if I'm looking for a sweet, um, I guess, a sweet treat or something for them to give them a big energy boost. I'm a huge fan of bliss balls. So I often make them. And again, they're something that you can make over a weekend that's fun and interactive for the kids at home. Um, And they also keep in the freezer for three months. So I can do a double batch and get almost, you know, 40 to 45 bliss balls that can then just sit in the freezer. The kids have been involved in the making of that. So they know what's in it. Um, again, for many reasons, that's a, a, a um, good skill to have or a, a good frame of mind, I think, to have to know what's in their food. They've been part of the making process and then they're excited to have it and, and share the whole idea of like I made these at home. Um, I find my kids are quite proud when they make their own food and as a mum and I like, I like bliss balls to be nice and round but when kids are involved, you know, they end up sausage-shaped, they end up <laughs> whatever shape it might be. But I think, again, it's not, I think if we take away that, that inspiration or their expression around their um, food preparation, we're almost dampening, um, I guess, what I'm trying to instill in kids and it's just to build a healthy relationship with their food. So if they come out sausage shape or they're all crumbly or they're not quite together, they're still going to freeze like that. But kids are so proud of themselves for just doing it. Um Again, so they're more inclined to eat it. But things like bliss balls can be packed with so many nourishing um, foods. We can sneak in some other little (laughs) um, ingredients that also give them a great nutrient boost for throughout the day. Um, So I guess, yeah, the main thing I I focus on with my lunch boxes is um, involving the kids in the process, as many real foods as possible. So I'll often have carrot, cucumber. I have two or three fruits to choose from that get cut, cut up. They then will often take a banana as well, like a full banana. Um, we might have some bliss balls in there. We might have last night's dinner in there in terms of their bigger meal. But I think also being mindful that um, lunch doesn't have to be a sandwich. It can be um, last night's dinner. It can be a stir fry. It can be, you know, things like that that we have for dinner that can be eaten cold if we don't have facilities that have an oven to heat stuff up the next day. Um So, again, encouraging just incorporating more real foods. And if you find yourself putting packets of chips in the lunchbox um, on a regular basis and that's something you want to change or you think needs changing, um, give yourself permission to change that and include the kids in the process so it's not a shock for them. Um, I think I often find when I speak to parents, they think, right, I'm going out tonight and I'm going to buy all of these things. And, you know, and I think that hinders a sustainable change. So I'm also very encouraging of just slow progressive changes. If your lunchbox doesn't look or sound how I've described in terms of, you know, the carrot, cucumber, a dip, some bliss balls, three different pieces of fruit and last night's dinner, work towards something like that. And again, just because that works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone, but we're moving back to real foods and I think that's what's so important for our kids' health. So I encourage people to at least think about how that looks for them and to start to work towards incorporating that. But involving the kids I think is the main thing that's going to get us there.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Now, some kids on the spectrum, uh, some parents decide to trial a gluten-free diet for their Mm -hmm. kids. Um, And parents can have a lot of success with this. Um, But my concern is that a lot of parents fall into the the trap of buying their real junky gluten-free foods. And as you said, it all comes down to this marketing. Um, And they tend to be loaded with sugar. What are some really good um, gluten-free snacks that you can recommend?
2: Um, I find, again, we're looking... I like to make my own stuff. So things like your own like making your own um, muesli, which you can get gluten-free varieties so and turning that into a muesli bars using some coconut oil or tahini um, to blend that all together, cut, cut them out into your own muesli shapes. I understand that textures can be a problem sometimes for um, children on the spectrum. So, again, it's just working within your own child and feeding off what's comfortable for them at the time. Um, bliss balls um, will always be my go-to. Um, whole whole food um, snacks, making your own biscuits or crackers um, from seeds um, and nuts, if if they're tolerable to nuts, I guess. Again, there's so many variables, and <laughs> sort of I catch myself all the time thinking, um, and I know how blessed I am to have two kids that probably aren't restricted as much as um, some others. But there's plenty, yeah, like crackers, bliss balls, making your own whole food biscuits um, muesli bars. Um, and I I don't know, like, I love things like fruit kebabs, um, things like that that the kids can be involved in and you don't to, I guess, um, have a gluten-free diet. You don't have to have a whole pantry full of products that are in a packet that have gluten-free plastered across the front. Again, we need to remember that all our fruits and vegetables <laughs> um, more than likely going to be gluten free if we're choosing organic um, organic fruit fruits and vegetables and being creative with that side of things so i'd be strongly encouraging again that outside of our supermarket farmers' markets and source majority of our real foods from those places um, but there 's a whole world of yeah world of whole food um, baking cooking and food preparing out there that you could really you know get get lost in i guess but for the better and including the kids in in preparing things like that biscuits or ingredients that they want to put in there um that are gluten-free if you're finding you're buying gluten-free biscuits to um fill the lunchbox there's more than likely a way you can do that at home without having all the sugars and emulsifiers that are added into our um packaged gluten-free biscuits
1: Mm. Mm. and it is I love it and just incorporating the kids in the process because they do. They they love it. They are more likely to eat it. I think there was a study done, even if kids grow their own fruit and vegetables, they're more likely to eat it because they've been involved in nurturing it and watching it grow. And um, I think the same is true if you're um, mucking around in the kitchen and it's a fun environment yeah. and you're laughing and they lick their fingers and, you know, they'll spit it back out. But, you know, who cares? Maybe next time they'll, they'll swallow it, you know, and it's that's, not having any expectations and it's just going with the flow
2: Mm. exactly right i mean a number of times like i have the kids in with me in the kitchen um every single day and there are plenty of times where they're so excited about the food preparation phase and then it gets to eating it and it's like i don't like that so you (laughs) have a good couple of hours in the kitchen with them and it's all been great and fun and but and they get to the end and say i don't like that but for (laughs) me i take away from that that they knew they know what was in it they're learning how to prepare um nutritious foods and they've had a good time doing that so i i don't think we can discredit that and i think if they're hungry enough the kids actually do eat it (laughs) like but you you talk about um that that connection with food like innately um innately you know we're hunter gatherers we go and source our own food and so when you have kids that are more likely to eat their fruits and vegetables if they've grown them themselves. It's not surprising to me at all um, because our innate selves have a desire to do that. I think it's just that the way that we live at the moment um, mm. or the way we've grown to live as a society has taken so much away from that and we have, um, yeah, a little bit of a disconnect with our relationship with food. So it's just bringing that back into the kitchen and um, making that work for us.
1: Mm. Hmm. um now you follow a plant-based diet don't you
2: i do i um i am plant-based yes
1: yeah i'd love to know for the parents out there who are already on or already following a plant-based diet can you um just give them a bit of advice on maybe what they can do to ensure that they're making the best choices and getting enough of all the right things that they need to be healthy
2: yeah um so, yes, yeah, look, following a, a plant-based diet, I think there's, yeah, there's, there's plenty surrounding all the different types of way of eating. For me, I found that this is what works best, has been best for my own gut health, my own personal health and my own mental health. Um, the things that I do, um, again, I'm going to go back to um, looking for organic locally grown foods, um, number one. How do we identify if we're getting enough? Um, I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years trying to really learn how to listen to my body again. Um, Again, our disconnect with food, I think also goes hand in hand with the disconnect of um, our relationship with ourselves and not really understanding hunger from boredom, from wanting to eat just because. And it's definitely a skill of listening to my body talking to me. Like your body communicates in lots of different ways. Um, So I think learning to listen to your body. So if you're, you know, you're waking up with a headache or fatigued legs or you've you've eaten and you're you're feeling bloated or the opposite, you're constantly hungry, then they're very clear indicators that you're not getting enough. Um, I find on a plant-based diet, if I am feeling myself correctly multiple times a day, um, having I incorporate um, avocado, coconut oil, where I get my fats from. Um, I've, I find that that works really well for me when it's complemented with um, with carbohydrate-based um, vegetables. You know, um, fruits I kind of um, I limit just because of my own gut problems. And again, it's just listening to your own body. So um, I think shopping organically and yeah, getting in touch with listening to your own body and responding in in, a, in the right way to that, I think are the two most important things that I implement with my plant-based nutrition.
1: Mm. And they're important for everyone. Like that's a general message for everyone, isn't it? Just listening Correct. to what your body's saying. Mm. Yeah,
2: and I think, like, as I said, I think it's a skill mm. that, that we have mm. lost and it's potentially part of the reason why um, our health status is as catastrophic as it is at the moment um because we're not learning to listen to ourselves our body screams at us through aches and pains through rashes through colds through snotty noses through coughs through difficulty breathing through um not being able to move properly. You know, our body's telling us for many, many years before we are diagnosed with disease that um, something's not quite right or we're not nourishing ourselves correctly. So, yeah, you're right. It's definitely a um, listening to your body is definitely a skill, whether plant-based or not, um, something that I would encourage more people to be inclined to um, or open to learning how to refine, I guess, and how mm. to do better.
1: Mm. Because we have come to really... Um you know you said, with the snotty noses and all these different ailments that we have um we, we just believe they're normal, like that's just yep. you know that's how I am. I always have a my child always has a runny nose or they're yep. always snuffly or and we don't sort of oh they beyond it, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think there is this real grassroots movement where parents are becoming more informed. They want, you know, they want to soak it up, um, yeah. and they want to learn more. So I think we're sort of at this point of a bit of a revolution, like a nutrition revolution, and parents are demanding more. So
2: absolutely, awesome. yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right. We're definitely on the on the crest of a wave, and people are, are hungry and wanting to know this kind of information because they know that what we've been doing is not working. And, um, yeah, absolutely, I think people are desperate for something different and willing and wanting to hear um, a, a new message that's, I guess, more valuable to them and their, theirs and their family's health.
1: Mm. Yeah, mm. Awesome. Well, back. let's head over to the five rapid-fire questions and we'll start to wrap Yay. this up. <laughs> All righty. So number one, what is one habit that parents can implement today?
2: um that that will always come back to my ingredients list on the labels so turn that packet over and look at your ingredients list awesome
1: number two what do people never ask you that you wish they did
2: um I think a lot of people make the assumption that I've been um like that I've gotten to this point very easily so I, like I would enjoy I guess sharing a bit more of my story and people asking me a little bit how I got to be where I am in terms of yeah my own, my own health. So that's
1: mm. yeah, that. Mm. Um, yeah, because we do often assume people are sort of healthy, they've grown up that way. Um, yeah. There's usually a bit of a backstory, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Number three, what book would you recommend that all parents read?
2: Um, the one for me um, that I read just before my son was born, um, so probably just before I embarked seriously on this journey, was um, Well Adjusted Babies by Jennifer Barron-Florini. Um, yeah, it sort of gives a holistic a holistic overview of um, during pregnancy, once a child's born, introducing whole food solids um, and really, is, yeah, could potentially be a, a nice Bible for, for parents out there to refer to often.
1: Mm. Number four, what is one of your top unfinished bucket list items? Um, bucket list item is... <laughs>
2: um well as you know I've recently moved to the sunny coast but I still have the dream of following the summer around the world for 12 months so um yeah that's what I'd love to do one day
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I will come along with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I, yeah, as you know, I'm in Catherine in the Northern Territory at the moment and it yeah. is summer all year round and I do love it. I am, um, yeah, a bit yeah. fearful of moving back down south. So. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, I've just had a, a sunny coast winter and it's um, been the most glorious winter I've experienced my whole life. So, <laughs> yeah, I think to do that for 12
1: months of the year would be amazing. <laughs> and number five, if you could only offer one piece of advice to parents, what would it be um
2: to listen i think listen to your kids um because they communicate in different ways whether it be um behavior that we think is out of character or through tears through talking so just learn to listen
1: Mm, so important
2: yeah i think so
1: And how can our listeners find out more about all your amazing Omaha in-school nutrition program? You know, if parents are wanting this at their school, can they get it? How do they go about it? Excellent. Are you doing a national tour? What's going on? <laughs>
2: oh, um, hopefully that's not too far away. Um, I do I um, sort of do regular travel between Victoria and obviously I'm based in Queensland now, but Victoria is my home base. So given the work I did last year, I've sort of been back and forth from there. So absolutely, I mean, I'm happy to go anywhere in the country, to be honest. Um, but at the moment you can touch base with me on my Facebook, which is Omaha Kids. I have an Instagram page which is Omaha Mum. At the moment I don't have a website, but you can email me at omahakidsorg, so O M A H A K I D S O R G, at gmail.com. And they're probably the three best ways to touch base with me and I'm pretty receptive, so happy to hear from anyone.
1: Awesome, thank you Beck. Um, thank you so much <laughs> uh, it's just seriously so inspiring and it's definitely what our country needs um, yeah. so I, I'm super excited to see how this vision of yours unfolds and uh, thank you I'm here to follow you on this journey it's exciting yeah. it's uh, just it's de- literally what we need. <laughs> yeah
2: you've definitely been a huge supporter from the start <laughs> um, so I appreciate that and thank you for that. <laughs> uh,
1: Thank you so much for your time. You. I appreciate it. Thank Cheers. you so much.
2: Bye.
1: Bye. Thanks, guys, for listening. I really hope you got some value out of today's conversation. Now, I would love to connect with you. I am really active over on Instagram and Facebook, so I'd love it if you came over and you said hi. All you have to do is search Homebase Hope and you will find me there. Now, if you don't know already, I am a lover of essential oils and a doTERRA wellness advocate. I really believe in the value of essential oils. And if this is something that you would like to explore and learn how you can use them in your family's life, then please get in touch. I would love to connect with you. And also, if you head over to Homebase Hope website, so that's homebasehope.com.au, I've created lots of visuals and social stories. So visuals in terms of first then, choice boards, visual schedules for toileting, getting ready in the morning. I've done all the hard work for you. Um, These are printables that are available on on the website so you can access today. Finally, if you love this fortnightly injection of information, please subscribe to the podcast. All you have to do is head to iTunes and hit the subscribe button, and every fortnight you will get an instant notification of the latest interview. If you do like the show, please jump on iTunes and leave a five-star review so more people can discover this podcast and so we can inspire positive change for more people living on the spectrum. You can access all of the show notes and other episodes at homebasehope.com.au, And until next time, guys, I encourage you to open your mind, respect the differences and above all, believe that you can make a difference from home base. See you soon, guys.